Talk to my friend Drew Allen. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. One of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. As die-hard conservative. to this guy for wisdom. This uh, today's broadcast is brought to you painstaking, painstakingly uh, via, you know, Captain and I's. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. We didn't really let out any curse words. Captain doesn't ever do that. Captain's cool as a cucumber. Me, on the other hand, I'm really an impatient guy. And uh, somehow, you know, maybe maybe we got this thing working just in time before I was going to lose it. Anyway, we've been trying for like an hour. We've had tech issues, audio issues. Uh, doesn't matter. I'll spare you. Anyway, look, it's been a week, a week since the last time we convened here, Drew Nation, of course. And the last time was the day before the debates. I'll, I'll, I'll give you my thoughts on the debates in a moment. I mean, my first, well, what I would say to you about the debates is what debates, what debates? I mean, that's really how I could sum up my feeling about the debates. The most irrelevant. Do they change anything anywhere? No. Trump still, everybody wants him to be the nominee. He's soaring. I mean, he's obviously the de facto GOP nominee. And as I watch these campaigns continue, whether it's DeSantis or, you know, you name it, I just look at them more like a bunch of vultures, right? These people are hoping that Donald Trump is prevented from running for office because that's the only way they have a chance of becoming the nominee. As long as Trump is in the race, as long as Trump is not in prison, as long as the Democrats don't succeed in their efforts to remove Donald Trump from the ballots or to convince you and me that we just can't go with Trump because he's being indicted, right? I mean, th- this, this is their dream company. They are trying to get us to turn on Trump. I mean, this is their game. It's not It's not they want Trump to be the nominee. No, they want to convince us to turn our backs on Trump. And you'll hear it from especially the, the DeSantis surrogates out there. And I'm sorry I'm always picking on DeSantis, but it's true. His campaign is run by the worst individuals. They're, they're the dangerous ones, the liars and the frauds. And I would say, beware of people who would say to you, you know, vote for or support DeSantis, support DeSantis because, because Trump is being indicted. You know, these, these people, I mean, that's the reason to support Trump, by the way. I mean, what kind of precedent, Captain, does it set, right? If we all just jump ship now and say, okay, we, we can't support Trump. We need to go with somebody else because the Democrats are indicting him. Because the Democrats are, pers- you see what happened? They'll do this every time to every one of our candidates. They're going to try and do this anyway because they're lawless. They're despotic. I mean, they've gone, I mean, they've gone too far. There's no coming back for the Democratic Party. There's no, there's no fixing that party. The GOP has its issues. It has its issues to be sure, but you cannot compare the two. They're not the same. They're not the same. Ideologically, certainly. I mean, the problem in that with the Republican parties, you have Republicans who say what the principal thing is so often when they run for election, rhinos and so on and so forth, right? And then they get in there and they don't do any of it. That's our problem. The Democrat problem is that they actually come out and they tell you they're Marxists now. They tell you what their grand ambitions are and people are supporting Marxism. That's the problem with the Democrat party. 
But anyway, I I, 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 I want to share this story with you that I just saw before I came on the air. And maybe it's not professional to tell you what time this stuff happens, but I'm just going to tell you. It's uh, 8.21 Pacific Standard Time <laughs> on Tuesday night. That's when we're recording this, and then it'll quickly go live, so whatever. That's when this is happening. So for Captain, it's 9, 10, 11, 21 p.m. This guy, I don't give this guy a break. Last week, I did give him a break one day. He said, I can do one on whatever. I said, no, Captain, no. You're flying planes. Those people need you. <laughs> um. Uh, so anyway, I, I so I want to share this story with you because it's really somehow I find a story, Captain, before every show, and it really ties things together. It's like a manifest destiny. The show is touched by God. Okay, so um, look, you've got this kid in a Colorado school. Uh, he's twelve years old. His name's Jaden, J A I D E N. I think that's how you pronounce the name. He's a white kid. Okay, if that matters to you, but anyway. He he had a don't tread on me patch on his school backpack, right? That's called the Gadsden flag. This is a revolutionary war symbol. This is a symbol. And I think Benjamin Franklin and some of those people were involved in this, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. But nonetheless, it was a symbol of the American Revolution, right? It goes back to the late 1700s, 1776 and so on and so forth. A symbol of the revolution. Obviously, it's important today, right? Because that's kind of the situation we face. Again, we've gone full circle in this country, folks. 1776 to today, we now face the threat the founding fathers warned us of, tried to prevent from happening here. The very threat we fought a revolutionary war to overcome, well, now it's showing its ugly face to us again today in the Democrat Party. And by the way, this Gadsden flag, it's on my book. It's on my book. It's on the cover of my book because it's apropos. So when my book becomes available and you all rush to buy my book on Amazon or Barnes and Noble, you will too possess the Gadsden flag on the cover of that book. But anyway, this kid had a Gadsden flag. He's 12 years old and he was removed from class. His mother came to the school and met with the administrator. And the administrator said that, uh, you know, he had to remove the flag from his backpack because it had origins with slavery. It was disruptive to the classroom environment. Now, this is going to tie into the grand jury, uh, special counsel Jack Smith, Fanny, Fanny Willis, big Fanny Willis, you know, Fanny, rear, fat, largesse woman. Anyway, uh, I'll come up with names for all these people. But my point is, they are inventing history. They're just making things up that aren't even true to just do whatever they want. Like Donald Trump hasn't violated a single law. They're inventing laws. They're inventing crimes. And they're prosecuting him for it. It doesn't matter that none of it's true. So here we have a Gaston flag, which has nothing to do with slavery. It's a symbol of the American Revolution, something that actually every school should display. It's part of our history. It's like the American flag. Yeah, pull it up. It's beautiful. And um, and this kid's told he can't have it on his backpack. Now, did it violate school policy? No, it didn't. It didn't violate a single policy. Now, if he'd had a pride flag on his backpack, do you think he'd be kicked out of class? No. No, he wouldn't have been. Um, I mean, if this kid had a flag of... You know, two guys performing fellatio, 
they'd let him keep it on the backpack, right? You know? I mean, that that's the point. What they're, This is the, the... I was on a radio show. I do an appearance every Tuesday on Vic Porcelli's show. He's the biggest show in the Midwest. For some reason, he likes me. For some reason, he wants me on every week, and I keep doing it. But um, I'm joking a little. I mean, I do go on the show, but, you know, why wouldn't he want me on the show is my point. But, you know, I was making this point. It's in my book. I call it 21st Century Jim Crow. There is a... It's becoming more and more official. I've talked about it on the show before. But in our society, in our culture, it's becoming acceptable to discriminate against political ideology, right? So if you're conservative, right? If you see a U.S. flag, for goodness sake, hanging at a neighbor's house, you know that person's conservative because the Democrat Party's not proud of America. If you see a Gadsden flag, you know that person's not a Democrat. Right? So these things, these symbols are under attack. You know, it's like under the Trump administration. When Sarah Huckabee Sanders, when she was the uh, White House spokesperson, press secretary, she was kicked out of a restaurant because she was working for Trump. That's the basis. And the, the left celebrated this. So this is happening more and more. And think about this. I mean, if somebody had a pride flag on their backpack, even if it did, for whatever reason, violate school policy, no conservative teacher, school administrator, if such a thing even exists anymore, would have the audacity to tell that kid he couldn't be in the classroom with a pride flag on it. They'd be petrified of the consequences, right? But these people have no fear because there are no consequences. They're all in the protected class. And my point is, we need to raise up with our voices. You know, there are moments where we need to be mean. There are moments where we need to let people know that they should fear us. And I'll give you an example, and maybe some of you will judge me for this story. You know... So when I'm not doing this and not doing the book and whatever else, you know, I do uh, PR. PR for lots of famous people, whatever. I'm not here stroking. I, I don't care. You know, whatever. But, you know, that's the reality. So I'm doing Winsome Sears, the lieutenant um, governor of Virginia right now, right? That's a client. I've done Dr. Ben Carson, Victor Davis Hanson, a lot of people you know, right? So these are people that I, I do PR for, have done PR for. And one of, one of the clients is... Uh, is Naomi Wolf, Dr. Naomi Wolf. Some of you know her, some of you don't. But anyway, she has become really politically active. Well, she's always been politically active, but she's become activated by the COVID stuff, obviously. And she's one of the foremost experts now, research-wise and everything else, on COVID, on the vaccines, on the corruption with the pharmaceutical companies, the lies about efficacy and so on and so forth, and the adverse effects. So this is like her crusade. So anyway... It's kind of a random story, to be honest, Captain, whatever. I don't know why, I should, why I'm even telling it. I do, sort of. But anyway, so I'll give you an example. Like, you know, part of my job is to vet these shows and protect these clients, too, because there are, there are people out there. I mean, you have two governments, by the way, that are going after Naomi Wolf. I mean, they're trying to make her life miserable. They're trying to destroy her, right? I mean, these are governments going after her. And so you can imagine there are people that are looking to, you know, set her up. And so I had corresponded with somebody that wanted her to come on their show, and I booked it. 
And it turned out to be a prank. Um, long story short, she came on the show. She recognized it. She's she's a professional. She's done been doing this a long time. So she she signed out within, you know, 20 seconds of this thing and shut it down. But I got the call and she let me know what happened. She was very kind. Naomi's an amazing human being. Wasn't upset with me, really. This stuff happened, she says. It actually shouldn't happen because I didn't vet the show properly, right? So it was actually my fault. But I didn't think this, you know, you forget sometimes, right? You get naive, like in the country, like, this stuff doesn't happen in the U.S. Nobody would do this. There aren't people this awful out there. There are. Well, after they tried to set her up and they treated her like dirt, they were playing farting sounds, Captain. Like when she first came on the program, like, and this is a serious person. And so the person I was corresponding with had his phone number. He was the producer of the show. And this wasn't the end of the end of the world. But I called this guy on the phone and I lit him up with F-bombs, Captain. I lit him up. I didn't even let him talk. I got him on the phone and I asked him who he thought he was and what he thought he was doing. And I just gave him the business. And I, I wanted to scare this person. Not threat for his life, right? But, you know... I, this this is this is the thing about power and so on and so forth. You know, the, the the problem is, you know, it's like it's a it's a slippery slope because you get the wrong people and they abuse it, like we're witnessing right now, right? But you know, in my space in the PR world, because I've had huge clients, um, there is influence with TV stations and hosts, right? I mean, and I'm also a columnist, so I, I know these people. So the reality is I can pick up the phone, I can send emails, and I can end someone's PR career. That's a reality. I'm not saying I'm a mal. Look at me. I'm just saying that is something I can do. And so, you know, so I, I used that in this moment. I told this person, I said, I don't know if you, you plan on pranking other people, if this is the way you go, but I just want to let you know I can send one email and everyone in this entire business will know your name and what you're up to and you'll be blacklisted forever. And I just let him know how wrong he was. And I don't know if he was serious afterwards, but he sent me an email apologizing, you know. I've thought about what you said. I mean, he's probably full of crap. These people don't have morals or virtues or whatever else. But my point is, this guy won't mess with me again. And you have to use that, in my opinion, whether you feel it or not. Like, you know, it's like this thing, Captain. I, I don't know why. I'm like Socrates or something here tonight. But I'm just in one of these moods and you've got to let people know. Like if these teachers and these people at your kids' schools do not fear you as a parent or fear the consequence, right? That's why we have consequences. There's nothing wrong with consequences. People should fear you. The problem in our country is the government doesn't fear us. Nobody fears conservatives because we're virtuous and moral and we're just supposed to take it all day long. And my point is, until we change our mentality and we start taking back this country and standing up for it, like, we can't win. We can't win. And my point is, this Gadsden flag is the perfect example of this. This, who do these people think they are? This 12-year-old? who knows more about American history than any of his teachers already by the fact that he knows what the Gadsden flag actually stands for? And these teachers want to invent rules 
and alienate this kid and make him feel bad for being proud of America? And it's amazing, you know, it's on video. I'm not going to play it. I didn't, I didn't even send it to Captain, but you can, you can maybe look it up. I'm sure it's out there. But I mean, I've never, and you know, this is the, you know, you don't have to go and this, this mother was in there. The kid was in there. They were so respectful and the video goes viral and you, you feel they did the right thing. They didn't need to blow this person up with F-bombs or whatever. That's not what I'm saying. That's not the solution to every problem. You know, but, 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 you know, when you've got the FBI and I got a story in a minute about that, when you've got the FBI, this is the set. I know I talked about this recently. The FBI murdered this guy in Provo, Utah. Right. He's like 70 something years old. He used a cane. He did make threats against the president. He already got a, you know, a visit by the FBI and he sent a message out. Oh, wow. Great. You know, if the FBI is watching this, you know, you better show up and I'll have a gun next time, you know, and what do they do? They show up. They bait the guy. He's not a threat to anybody, regardless of what he puts on the internet. And they put a flashbang grenade in there and they killed this guy. He cared for his blind son. 70-something-year-old. But my, so, I'm, so that happened. And now you have another story about a disabled vet and the FBI murdered him. They raided his house and they wouldn't give the mom a reason. Why did you have a warrant? What did he do? They haven't explained. So this stuff is happening around the country and there's no consequences. I mean, I'm sorry. Can the FBI go and murder somebody and not give a reason for doing it? What happens to you if you commit that kind of, you show up at a neighbor's house, you bang on the door and you shoot your neighbor? Wait, you're you're going to get the death penalty in certain states, but the FBI can do it with impunity and there's no consequences. So my point is we need to wake up and change our attitudes and maybe it's happening. But I, I you know, I guess the, the point of this episode is, are you ready? Are you getting ready mentally, spiritually? I'm not saying for Jesus to come back and take our souls up. And maybe that could happen. Who knows, you know, at any moment. But But what I'm saying is, you better get tough. You better start to get tough. We all better start to get really tough. You know, I've been watching all these uh, history shows lately, Captain. On ancient Greece, on Rome, all, all these societies. And, and me being me and talking about and recognizing how significant this moment is in American history. Like this is a make or break moment, 2024. It really is. It's that serious. Like our country could be gone after 2024. I'm serious. But I look at these other societies and they've all fallen. Like nothing's permanent, Captain. Nothing's permanent. Like it's honestly, it's actually a miracle that America even exists today as it does. Like less than 250 years later. And when we fought a civil war, I mean, and this is why I say it's like, God's had his hand on this country for a long time. And of course, I'm sorry to tell you, you know, we've turned our backs on God. I'm sorry if that offends you if you're not religious or whatever else, but it's true. I mean, we, like, Sodom and Gomorrah, whether you believe it was struck by God or not, I mean, we make Sodom and Gomorrah look like, you know, the Garden of Eden. Genital mutilation. I mean, the child sex trafficking that's going on, the fentanyl. I mean, all this stuff that's happening in this country, the, the corruption by Joe Biden, and there's no consequences for that, the lying. I mean, it's like, a, we, we, and this is the thing, America has a moral crisis as well, amongst everything else. But, you know, I mean, this is what happens to societies, though. 
you know, we've just had it too good for too long, I guess, and we've been inactive. And, you know, while the law-abiding, peaceful American is asleep, well, that's when our tyrants are the most active. And that's what's happened here. I mean, Greece fell before then. The, uh, yeah, what, the, the Mycenaeans, I think, and you had the Romans. I mean, you had Alexander the Great, I mean, who, who was the end of the Greek Empire. You had ancient Egypt. I mean, all these countries enjoyed their time in the sun, and then they collapsed. They fell. We've got the illegal invasion of our border going on. I mean, it's just like, it's just crazy. And every solution the Democrats propose does not solidify or improve this nation. It just chips away further. And I mean, I, and I guess my thing is like, do you want your posterity to be talking about this country like we talk, talk about ancient Rome? As we observe the ruins of ancient... Because that's where we're headed right now, folks. That's where we're headed. So anyway, so, so this kid, I mean, he's got a Gaston flag. Gadsden flag. They have no reason, no purpose for it. They, they, you know, but they want to punish him. This is serious stuff. That's a serious story. And, you know, people talk about it like today, Captain, me now. And then we'll just forget about it. We'll move on. And that's my point. Nothing improves, right? This isolated situation, which isn't really isolated. It happens all the time. We just happen to hear about it here in this Colorado school. But, um... You know, it happens, and then we just move on. But it's never corrected. So it, this poison stays there, right? It gets a moment where we're... And I, here's what I want to say, too. This is why I relate this to what's going on with Trump, right? So here's kind of a, a series of events that happen. So, da-da-da. Right, so Jaden and the mom, I guess, meet with this administrator... And the administrator tells Jaden's mom, Eden, the reason that they don't want the school to flag, the reason, whatever, she's like Joe Biden, the reason that they do not want the flag, reason we do not want the, maybe it's a typo. It's due to its origins with the revolution, slavery, and slave trade. It has nothing to do with slavery. And the mom says that it has nothing to do with slavery, right? Just nutty. And then it gets crazier. So the Vanguard school then admits that the Gadsden flag didn't originally have a racial context, right? But then they say, without evidence, of course, that racist hijacked its... Do you see they're making this up as they go along? Oh, so now they admit the Gadsden flag isn't racial, wasn't racial, but it's been hijacked. It's like the Confederate flag because they say so. And my point is they just keep going. They keep building on this lie. And that's what's going on with these Trump indictments. These Trump indictments. You know, I, I just think I will spend a second on this. I mean, who knows? I got so many stories, but I think this is important and whatever. I'm, I'm on a roll. I'm going to have a sip of water. It's been a long day. But I want to go through these indictments with you. Just briefly. And it is election interference, by the way. I mean, I, for these things. I mean, it's obviously in 2024 what he's supposed to be in court at all times. He can't campaign. And that's the goal. So the message is, look, what, look, Trump's not going to be allowed to campaign. So the DeSantis campaign says, 
look, I mean, this guy's, he can't win. He can't even campaign. Pick me. This is why I don't have respect for DeSantis. More on that in a minute. So we had the first indictment, which was the first indictment of a president or former president in U.S. history. That was back in March, I think it was, March or May. That was District Attorney, sorry, yeah, Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg. And what was that indictment about? Well, you know, Jonathan Turley, the legal scholar, called it a legal slurpee. So that was amazing, Captain. If you remember the the that indictment, they needed it to be a felony, right? And so they indicted Trump, but didn't even name the crime he committed. I'm very serious here. He was asked about it at the press conference. So what, like, what crime? He's like, well, the law doesn't require me to tell you what crime. I, you just indicted a president, and you're not telling us what specific crime was committed. Can you imagine this? So that was the first one. And, you know, what they were trying to get him on in, in that case was a joke. I mean, you actually had, it was actually... Uh, Jack Smith, right? The special counsel who's behind a couple of these indictments now, Mar-a-Lago documents, and in Washington, D.C. with J6 insurrection. Well, back in, I think it was 2008 or so, or it was after 2008, but in 2008, John Edwards ran for the Democrat nomination for president. He, he, he didn't get it. I think he dropped out of the race. But John Edwards had a little uh, spicy, hot little thing on the side, you know? A woman I'm talking about. And he also had a kid with her. He had a secret affair and a love child. And John Edwards collected roughly a million dollars from two elderly donors. So they gave him a million bucks, approximately, and he used that money to pay for her apartments. and what. It was hush money, right? That's what it was. It was to silence his affair during the campaign season to keep it quiet. And so Jack Smith actually indicted him with a grand jury for campaign finance violations. But then when it actually went to court, you know, a jury, right? You have to understand the way this works, right? Grand juries, in theory, are supposed to eliminate stupid lawsuits from going forward, right? So you have a case before a grand jury, and then they indict somebody and then that goes to jury to the jury right where they then decide whether there's going to be charges and so is that making sense captain how this works and the legal system that is an illegal system now so when it went to the jury the jury was a hung jury it was a mistrial actually and they didn't find him guilty of a campaign finance violation right because they said correctly back then that he was doing that not just because it was going to hurt his election electoral chances or whatever. He was doing it because he didn't want his wife to find out. It was a personal reason. So there's, you know, so it's not, it's not specifically for that. And the, the other reason you can, I can give to explain this is like, all right, if you spend money while you're campaigning to buy a really nice suit, right? Cause you want to look good, Right. Like, let's say you're John Fetterman, right? You dress in a hoodie all the time. 
Now, John Fetterman still wears a hoodie, but in a in a in a sane world, right? You know, Fetter somebody like Fetterman, another brain dead individual that's a loser that lives with their parents their whole life. Let's say they decide, okay, they're tapped. Hey, you're going to run for office. So that person goes and buys nice suits to change his appearance. Is that a campaign finance violation, Captain? Because he's buying suits to influence? No, it's not. But it's not a campaign finance violation is the point. So anyway, so Alvin Bragg's case, he basically conflated two non-crimes to create a felony crime that wasn't even a crime, right? And that that was, all right, well, he falsified bank records, or like he, not bank records, he falsified, you know, business records to say that his payments to Stormy Horseface Daniels and the hush money, well, he didn't say it was payments to hush the Horseface. He said it was legal fees. So that's the first thing, which by the way, in New York is a misdemeanor, it's not a felony. I mean, it's not a serious crime, even if he could prove it. Stormy Daniels, of course, also wrote a letter saying that the affair never happened. But anyway, whatever. Irregardless of whether the affair happened or not, um, that's that's a misdemeanor at minimum. And, and secondarily, he tried to bring a charge and say, okay, well, it's a campaign finance violation because he used funds to, for, so my point is, right? So there's not, this is dead on arrival. It's the same thing they did with John Edwards. And it didn't go anywhere, but they're trying it with Trump. So in order for this to be a felony, Bragg has to make the case that claiming this was legal fees was intended to cover up some other crime. If this doesn't make sense to you, you're very sane and smart because it shouldn't make sense to you, okay? I'm doing my best to explain the nonsensical. And so because there is no felony crime, Alvin Bragg didn't list a felony crime. He just said we indicted him for a felony, but he didn't give the... Do you understand how insane this first one was? It set the tone for this whole thing. Everything's like this, though. Every single one of these indictments is like this. It's, it's like Banana Republic stuff. And so if, if he was saying it was legal fees and not hush up the horse face money... If he was covering up the crime and that crime was what? A campaign finance violation? Well, there was no campaign finance violation. So there was no, you understand? But he got an indictment over this. And so everything has been like this. Jack Smith using the Espionage Act to try and get Trump in Washington, D.C., right? The Espionage Act from 1917, which originally at the time was used to squash free speech. Right, you had that, and then you had some sedition act that followed it up. This was under uh, under the uh, the commie Woodrow Wilson, one of the worst presidents in American history, one of the most dangerous presidents in American history. Anyway, this espionage act was meant to forbid people and punish them if they spoke out against World War One. That's why it existed. It was an anti free speech act, but it's since been used to go after spies. So, in the indictment. Right? I read the Washington Post, right? This is like Trump-Russia collusion. What did he do? Well, he colluded with Putin. Really? I, what, you can't explain it. So with the, 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 the stupid indictment out of D.C., he says he violated 
an a, a aspect of the Espionage Act by concealing national security documents while not, while not claiming that Trump was a spy. You understand how stupid this is? So Trump violated the Espionage Act, but he wasn't a spy. They're just, they're just making up laws. I mean, I, maybe I'm spending too much time on this, but I just, you have, we have to understand that there's no merit to any of this. And because I see the DeSantis influence, influencers out there saying Trump's made his own bed, you know, like he did something wrong. He's got to pay the consequences. Or Chris Christie saying, you know, there, this is not lawful. This is totally lawless. Like the Mar-a-Lago documents thing. Donald Trump, that's not the D.C. thing, by the way. What I'm talking about with the Espionage Act relates to the Mar-a-Lago raid, not what happened in D.C. But Mar-a-Lago, what they did do, well, forget it. I'm talking about Mar-a-Lago, classified documents, right? So classified documents, let's do this one real quick. So the president of the United States has the sole authority as the only person in the executive branch, right? That's the president of the United States. Has the sole authority to declassify anything he wants from his administration at will while he's president, right? And so the whole notion that Trump should go to prison because he had documents in his possession that someone else is claiming he did declassify. What's the difference? He could have declassified it while he was president and then he could have whatever he wanted in his home, right? But someone's saying, oh, he didn't declassify it, so now it's a crime. But also, the Presidential Records Act, there's no criminal component to it. It's like a suggestion, a recommendation. There's not even an enforcement mechanism. So even, and that was from the 1970s. So you want to put him in jail because he had, what? And meanwhile, you have Joe Biden and you have Mike Pence and you have others too, by the way, who were not president who had classified documents in their possession and they're facing no penalty. They actually did break the law because they weren't president. And I made this analogy before. I'll do it one more time. But it's like this. It's like I worked in retail for a while, right? I used to open and manage retail stores for Mark Jacobs. I did it in Milan, Italy. I did it in New York City. I did it in Los Angeles. I know I'm such an intriguing figure. Anyway, Drew, what do you know about anything? You don't have any experience. Oh, yes, I do. I've met much experience doing many things. Anyway, did that when I was 23, by the way. Uh, so, so if, let's say you're the owner of a retail store. You own a retail store. It's your store. You spend the money. You buy the clothes. You put the product in the store, right? It's your store. Now, let's say the owner of the store takes a shirt from the store and doesn't tell the employee to take it out of the system. And per the store guidelines, input the appropriate code, you know, personal use for the owner. Is the employee that works for the owner going to report theft to the police because the owner of the store took a shirt from his own store? Of course not. That's stupid. That's what they're doing with President Trump. Oh, he he didn't declassify this document. I swear. He's the president. He can declassify anything he wants. But I he didn't declassify it, so now he goes to jail. Are you freaking kidding me? You whack jobs?
So anyway, I just... All right, let's do the GOP, GOP debate real quick. I got like eight stories here, Captain. I'm like on the first one still. Oh, that's going to be a four-hour show, Captain. You can go to bed at 3 a.m., okay? Um, so, yeah, the GOP debate, it was useless. The next day, Donald Trump was arrested, and it's irrelevant. And everyone knows this is irrelevant. More people should just start saying this. Like, Donald Trump's the guy. Unite around Donald Trump. What are we doing? What are we doing? And so, to me, all these people are vultures. They're vultures. They're just waiting for Donald Trump to be taken out so they can pick his corpse and take his spot because that's the only way they're going to they're gonna get in there. So I just see this. like That's why DeSantis and these people won't come out and say anything because it benefits them if he goes away. That's why he, all of the DeSantis influencers out there that aren't very influential in my opinion and they're not very smart, that's why they're saying, we can't have Donald Trump as the nominee. He's being indicted. He can't campaign. Look what the Democrats are doing. And, I, and I'm like, you guys are nuts. That's the reason to support Donald Trump right now. Because if they succeed, especially in getting us to abandon Trump and go with somebody else, then they can tell us who our candidate is every single time. They'll just indict them. And I just, you know... I'll make an analogy. Remember when DeMar Hamlin collapsed on the football field? What did the players for both teams do after he collapsed? Did they keep playing the football game or did they refuse to play and say, what happened to him right now is more important. We can't possibly go on. We'll do it later. Right? That's what they did. And I think it was the right decision Well, this is a situation like that to me. Like, Ron DeSantis, while Donald Trump was being arrested for the fourth time in Georgia, he was in, he was at the Field of Dreams. What's that, in Iowa? Yeah, it's in Iowa because, you know, he wants, he's trying to win Iowa. That's his big thing. If he can win Iowa, the caucus in Iowa, oh, he's really got momentum. So anyway, so, so while Trump's being arrested, right? Like our nation's being brought to its knees. He's out campaigning. And DeSantis people say, well, who cares? Whatever, blah, blah. No, it's a big deal. You know, when Donald Trump, every time this has happened, especially this most recent time in Georgia, every candidate should have stopped what they were doing. They should have been campaigning in that moment. They should have been there shoulder to shoulder showing support for Donald Trump. They can still run against him. But just like the game shouldn't have continued when DeMar Hamlin collapsed on the field, when the, 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 the leading candidate for president for the GOP in 2024 is being arrested for the fourth time in this banana republic we now live in, and these guys are out just campaigning, it's wrong. And I just have, you know, but I will say something positive about DeSantis here. You know, Hurricane Idalia, it's coming, well, by the time you listen to this episode, it will have hit Florida. And my prayers are with everyone there. 
It was a Category 3 last I saw. And DeSantis people are saying, look what a good leader DeSantis is. Look at his leadership, you know, all the effort he's putting in. He's here, his support for this hurricane ahead of time. And, so, and I think that's true. The problem is DeSantis has rarely been around Florida. And a lot of Floridians feel like they've been abandoned. I mean, why did this guy run for office, run for governor? We, we rallied behind him, elected him, and then he's abandoning us. He's running for president. He's spending his time as governor campaigning, not working as governor. And you can't do both. You really can't. So he's been MIA. But, but, but DeSantis is a great governor. He's a great governor when he's being governor, when he's focused, when, and, and you see him and he's in his elements. And the question, of course, is why the rush? You're 44 or whatever. Why the rush to be president right now? He would have, and it may still happen, but it's, unli- it's not particularly likely, but he would have made a great VP for Trump. Fantastic VP. And I think that's what a lot of people uh, would have liked. And he's kind of squandered that. And a lot of people are saying, oh, look how he's reacting to this hurricane situation. Look how good he is. And I'm, this is going to really help him. The po- I don't think it's going to help him in the polls, and I'll tell you why. Because it's actually, ironically, having a different effect. It's showing what a good governor he is. See, he's not ready for prime time. He's in his element. He's a great governor. He's not ready to run for president. Why do this now when you're such a good governor? So I don't think it's going to help. I think it's going to make people question why he's doing this. Why not just lead as the governor of the state when you actually work as the governor? When you focus your attention on doing your job, you're a wonderful governor. But you're not doing that. So you're running a bad presidential campaign and you're doing Floridians a disservice. So anyway, so I'll probably skip a couple things. You know, it's, it's kind of funny too, you know. Um, well, I just want to tell you about update with Donald Trump, his lead over the GOP rivals in Georgia. This is a poll out of people in Georgia, not nationally, I don't believe, but he's cl- closing in on 60% of support among likely Republican primary voters in Georgia. 60%. I mean, that's and, and the DeSantis and other campaign, no, no, forget Trump. Forget Trump. He's being indicted. We can't have an indicted president. Okay, well, what if it's you next time? What would you say then? You want our support? No, no. So I, 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 I'll I, update you here on what the uh, Biden administration has in store for elections in 2024. There's a lot of things going on that we don't have insight into. Pardon me, water. There's a lot of things that have been going on, spending federal money to benefit the Democratic Party. By federal money, I mean your money, tax dollars, right? To shore up their chances in 2024. Here's the thing. Without mail-in ballots, the Democrats don't believe they can win. Without universal mail-in ballots and a 2020 type seat, the Democrats would never have won in 2020 without covid And specifically, the unprecedented changes to the way we conduct elections in the U.S. 
And so the Democrats rely upon these mail-in ballots to win now. It's the only way they can win, and they know it. And part of that depends upon um, voter registration, right? You've got to have registered voters in order to have addresses to send ballots out to. So voter registration is very important to Democrats because every new voter registration is an opportunity to turn one of those ballots into a vote for Joe Biden or another Democrat. You understand that? So Biden, the administration, is has announced on Friday, last Friday, it has plans to use taxpayer dollars to register newly naturalized citizens to vote. I mean, this is so outrageous. Now, you know, there's nothing wrong. I mean, you know, it, it is a battle. Like, everyone's trying to register voters. That's fine. You got to be registered to actually go and cast a vote, too. But the abuse and the way the Democrats are doing this, I mean, it's not because they just want people to vote. They're trying to convert. It's the same thing with the, 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 the education system. They're using that to manufacture Democrat voters. And this is a distinct disadvantage that we have in this country. They're willing to do this kind of thing. And they'll use and abuse the power and authority they have even when they control the federal government to do it. So, you know, so yeah, they're trying to expand access to voter registration doing naturalization ceremonies. So it's just like, I mean, you know, I I get it to someone's ear. You say, well, you know, Drew, that's not illegal. Or, you know, you want to suppress the, I don't want to suppress the vote. I'm just telling you the reality of what's happening in the country and what they're doing. And by the way, you know, we had the, um, that shooting in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, and, you know, Eric Swalwell, Captain, we pull up that uh, photo one. Eric Swalwell put out a tweet and he's, I mean, they're all just admitting it now. They want an Australian style gun buyback program, ban assault weapons, which of course is a list of a hundred something. It's whatever weapons they want to say they are, but the ultimate goal is to take all the weapons. They want to disarm the American citizenry. And I see so many stupid people that are roughly my age out there posting things about how if you don't support gun control, You want kids to be murdered. Teachers are at risk because of people like me who support the Second Amendment. No, there's evil people in this country. And, you know, these people are so ignorant about history. The reason we have a Second Amendment, firstly, is because it's the great equalizer. It deters and prevents a government from running roughshod over the citizenry because you can fight back and defend yourself. You have power. Okay? So that's number one. And secondarily, it's about independence. I can have a gun because it's my right to defend my family and myself. So you want to take guns away from all the people, the law-abiding citizens who are going to give them up, and you think the criminals are going to turn them in? You think somebody who wants to go and murder children cares about the law? This is incredible. I cannot believe that people don't understand this concept. And the reason we have so many murders in this country is because we have a Democrat party 
that pushes policies that create mental illness and poverty and destruction. We have a moral crisis in this America, in, in this country, in America, where churches are attacked and morality and virtue, and everyone's told they're a victim. And Democrats actually say that violence is okay if it's pursuing Democrat objectives. BLM burning down buildings and cities, $2 billion plus dollars of damage, dead, you know, 24 some odd dead people in those riots. Antifa doing the same thing. Violence. And they are, I, I told you last episode, get ready for potentially lockdowns even. They're pushing masks. Biden is going to ask Congress, Congress for new COVID vaccine funding after everything we know. The vaccines don't. And I want to tell you something here too. So he wants everyone to get this new shot. So he wants to use taxpayer dollars to fund a new COVID-19 vaccine. That's not our responsibility. And why would we fund something that doesn't work anyway? And COVID right now, it's to blame for just 1% of weekly deaths from all causes across the U.S. 1% of all deaths. And they're going to push these injections again. Um, but it's, it's just nuts. So, and you know, how does this work, Captain? You know, in the beginning, you're supposed to get the first dose of the vaccine, right? And then you're supposed to get all the subsequent boosters. So if you didn't get any of the shots, like, what are you supposed to do? Go and get 13 shots now? I mean, theoretically, that's how it should work. But with this, they're just going to create a new shot, and you don't have to get any of the other ones. They just want you to get this one now. I mean, there is no science here. I'm sorry to tell you. I mean, there's science, but it's failed science. It's like Frankenstein science. You've got Rutgers University now. This is, they're rolling this out, I'm telling you. They're at, I mean, all these universities, they're, they're joining the club. Rutgers in New Jersey and Morris Brown College in Georgia, they both announced last week face masks are going to be required for staff and students. Captain, have you heard anything from the airlines? You haven't gotten anything? Okay. Well, you keep us posted. Captain's our whistleblower. We'll protect him, though. No one's seen his face. Um, all right, let me take a little break from the serious stuff. I, I want to get into a couple other things. I'm kind of working my way through here, but... Uh, Q-Up Cut 1. Q-Up Cut 1. This is... Oatmeal brain, Joe Biden, who just can't help but lie. And not only is he a liar, but he's a megalomaniac. This is an individual who puts himself at the center of the universe. I mean, this is somebody who just, it's like historical fiction. You know, 1776, the founding fathers, they were sitting there in Independence Hall in Philadelphia and Joe Biden rose and he convinced them to finally sign. <laughs> well, before that, <laughs> they signed the Declaration of Independence. Joe Biden was there, you know, he just rose up. So Joe Biden now, you'll hear, he's now claiming that he convinced Strom Thurmond to support the Civil Rights Act which was passed in 1964 when Joe Biden would have been 21 years old 
He wasn't even in politics till I think, 29. Strom Thurmond, I think, was probably in his 40s or so, something by then. So go ahead and play cut one, cap, And I want you to hear oatmeal brain, Joe Biden. Like, if you vote for this person in 2024, if I don't see how he even makes it to 2024, to be honest. I don't see how it's possible. But here's Joe Biden, the most notorious liar in government in American history. Go ahead and play cut one, Captain. Go. But pause for just a moment. I thought things had changed. I was able to literally, not figuratively, talk Strom Thurmond into voting for the, the Civil Rights Act before he died. And I thought, well, maybe there's real progress. But hate never dies. It just hides. It hides under the rocks. And when someone breathes a little oxygen in, it comes out roaring out. Uh, Strom Thurmond died, I think, in like 2003, 2004. The Civil Rights Act of 1964 was, of course, in 1964. And Joe Biden claims that he, he was, he's the one who convinced Strom Thurmond. I mean, this guy's a whack job. This, this guy, I mean... I can't believe we live in a country like this, to be honest. It's humiliating. Speaking of which, cue up cut two, Captain. I'm serious when I tell you the most famous Democrat politicians, and some Republicans too, but the most famous Democrat politicians that are in your face every day, the ones that you actually know the names of, whether they're in the House or in the Senate, They are the dumbest people in this country. I want you to hear Eric Swalwell giving his great defense of how it's impossible that Joe Biden is corrupt. Go ahead and play it, Captain. Go. This Congress started with threats of impeaching Secretary Mayorkas, and then it was FBI Director Christopher Wray, and then Merrick Garland, uh, and now Joe Biden. And, and by the way, Eamon, one day he's sleepy Joe, the next day he's corrupt Joe. I know people who are sleepy. I know people who are corrupt. I don't know anyone who is both. These guys just know that they are reflexively anti-anything Biden's doing, whether it's for the economy, whether it's for global security over in Ukraine. And so it shows in the clownish way uh, that they're behaving. So there's Swalwell. You can't be a sleepy and corrupt. I've heard of sleepy people or lazy, but whatever you say, I don't even remember. I've heard of sleepy people and you. I mean, this this is this is someone who serves in our government. This is also somebody who banged a Chinese spy, Fang Fang. I, I just, it's sickening. Sickening. I found the story about the FBI's most recent murder. So we still don't have any answers. I think it's been about 10 days now. This story broke on August 16th. And the local WBBJ station was tipped off by it by a local viewer about this happening. Otherwise, they might have never, we might not even know about this. So the FBI raided the home of a disabled U.S. veteran, and they shot him dead on the morning of August 16th. His name is, was, is Theodore Deschler, 
He was shot and killed when FBI agents raided his home near Henderson, Tennessee. And Deschler's family is looking for answers. There's no news or information from the government on why they broke out the windows, threw smoke bombs into the house, and then shot Deschler, who was unarmed. So the FBI just raided a disabled veteran's home and shot him dead, and he was unarmed. And they don't feel any need to explain themselves. Have you heard about this story, Captain? But, you know, no mainstream media outlets touch this. Not a single one. And so, you know, it's it's been buried by them. Uh, the brother, Russell Deschler, spoke with reporters last week. He said there's three up front and two on the sides. They broke out. He's talking about the windows. They were shooting flash smoke grenades, he says. And the FBI told Deschler's mother, who obviously her son was murdered by the FBI, the compassionate FBI, they said, it's none of your business. You see, this is the thing, too, that's such a dangerous cocktail in America right now. It's this, it's like this, the sociopath, sociopathic nature that goes along with the tyrants. They don't care. There's no compassion, no empathy. It's none of your business. You're a mom. The FBI just shot your son dead. He was unarmed. They won't tell you why. You ask them what your son even did, and they say it's none of your business. So the suspect's mother, she was at the residence at the time. According to her, the FBI beat on the door, and when she answered, they pulled her out of the residence and put her in the back of a police vehicle. She asked why they were there. She was told it's none of your business. Okay, so actually it happened even before. It's none of your business. She said the incident was probably 15 minutes from the time the agents arrived to when her son was shot. He had depression. He was getting help for it. He didn't have a weapon on him. He was just trying to get out of the house because it was filled with tear gas. No new details after more than 10 days now. The Chester County Independent is the only other mainstream outlet that covered the FBI shooting. This is Gateway Pundit that's covering this. I just... We're just so numb to these types of incidents in America. I mean, just so callous towards this stuff. I mean, this, this American citizen, this human being was shot dead and murdered, and they won't even tell us what he did wrong. They raided his house. This type of show of force, a disabled veteran? But it's the FBI. They committed murder. There were riots for three months in the streets of America and cities were burned to the ground because Derek Chauvin put his knee on George Floyd's head or neck while Floyd was under arrest and resisting arrest and George Floyd died, even though he had a lethal amounts of fentanyl in his system. 
That was a police officer. And he's spending his life in prison. The FBI just showed up and threw smoke grenades and shot a disabled veteran dead in the morning. He was unarmed. Is that not injustice? But we're not violent. We're not out there burning cities to the ground. We're not demanding justice, are we? And I'm not suggesting we burn cities to the ground. I don't wish harm on innocent Americans like the left does. But we don't even lift a finger. And this is why we're losing the country. The Democrat Party is willing to move mountains to destroy the country. And we're not even willing to speak out to save it. Shocking. Let me end with this. What difference is there really today between the Biden administration, the Democrat Party, and the United States of America, and our government, and the Communist Chinese, and Xi Jinping? The differences are becoming fewer and fewer. Captain says zero. He's right. Now, I want to read just, this is very short, but the headline is Xi Jinping defends the Uyghur genocide in surprise East Turkestan visit. And I want to read a little bit of this to you. And I want you to think about how this might relate to the crisis in America. I want you to imagine that instead of talking about the Uyghurs, I'm talking about conservatives in America. And you'll see what I mean. Chinese dictator Xi Jinping defended the alleged successes of his ongoing genocide of Uyghur and other Turkic people during a visit to occupied East Turkestan this weekend, urging Communist Party leaders there to continue efforts to eliminate the Uyghur language, transport slaves nationwide, and make the region more culturally advanced. Xi appeared in the capital of East Turkestan on Saturday for his first visit since July 2022. Footage published by Chinese state media indicates that Xi spent most of his time there with high-ranking local communists indoors, not interacting with the public. Do you see Joe Biden interacting with the public when he visits any place? Or are all of his appearances carefully crafted and controlled? You see, Xi is not a popular president. He's a dictator. And he depends upon people's obedience to retain power. Because with a billion people in China, if they all decided it was over, they could kill Xi Jinping tomorrow. They should kill they could they could wipe out the entire communist government tomorrow if the communist Chinese, if the if the citizens would rise up. That's the reality. And you see, and when people tell me Joe Biden is a shoe-in for 2024 that Donald Trump can't win, I think of the black Americans 
who were cheering Trump as his motorcade arrived in Georgia for his arrest. I think about the Hawaiians in Maui who greeted Joe Biden with F.U. I think about everywhere Joe Biden goes, there is not even a single display of support for him. And he doesn't interact with normal American citizens because he knows that he's not liked. He knows that he's not actually popular, and he knows he didn't even win in 2020. There's a deep insecurity in this administration, and it doesn't make sense if they're so confident that, they're, that he's the most popular president in American history. Like Xi Jinping, he shows up and he just hangs out with high-ranking Democrat officials. He doesn't interact with the public because to interact with the public would show that he's not loved. Now, Xi launched a genocide campaign against the indigenous populations of East Turkestan, the majority Uyghurs, but Kazakhs, all these other majority Muslim peoples, in 2014. Branding it as an anti-terrorism initiative. What do you hear the Democrat Party doing in terms of justifying their alienation of conservatives and Trump supporters in America. They're claiming what? We're terrorists. They're claiming we're, the, we're a greater threat to this country than Islamic terrorism. They're justifying their crackdown on our rights, constitutional rights, by suggesting that we're terrorists. So Xi Jinping does the th- same thing. It's an anti-terrorism campaign claiming that the eradication of Islam and Uyghur culture is necessary to prevent jihadist violence. You see, we are not violent, but they're claiming we are and suggesting that the eradication of our rights, well, it's just to prevent violence from the right, don't you know? The Chinese government since 2014 has forced over 3 million people into concentration camps where they endure a host of human rights atrocities, including torture, sexual assault, slavery, communist indoctrination, and medical testing consistent with live organ harvesting. Outside the camps, the Chinese Communist Party has separated children from their families, bulldozed critical cultural sites, including cemeteries, and forcibly sterilized potentially hundreds of thousands of women to prevent the non-Chinese population from growing. What do we have happening with puberty blockers? With our children being told to mutilate their genitalia, that this is their rights? It's sterilization. We have our own children being separated from families by the public education system, which indoctrinates them with dangerous thoughts, unhealthy thoughts, pronouns, and so on and so forth, dividing the family, teaching obedience to the state. Like Xi, we have our government and the Democrat Party bulldozing our critical cultural sites. We have a student who's 12 years old being told the Gadsden flag is a sign of slavery when it's not. 
They're destroying our history in this country. They're rewriting it to portray themselves as the saviors of America when the Democrat Party has always been a threat to America. They're the party of slavery. They're the party of the KKK. They're the party of Jim Crow. They're the party of the welfare state, which is just slavery with another name. So, America has more in common than with the communist Chinese than you would think. All right, Captain. That'll close it out tonight. I got to go work on my book and then do some more PR stuff. Uh, I've missed being with you guys. I think we're going to do this again this week, maybe. <laughs> uh, we'll see. You just tune in. You know, Subscribe to the Substack, Jarellon.substack.com. Um, book's got to be done this week, so that'll give me some freedom. I'm really looking forward to that. I mean, I've, I've put everything I have into this book, Captain. I really have. I mean, I'm just, I, this isn't a victim thing, right? I'm, I'm so fortunate to have these opportunities and to have my health and be able to do it. But just between you and me, I'm, I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. I mean, it's just, it's just Herculean. And, you know, I put a lot of, uh, uh, you know, pressure on myself too, because I want this to be an important book. I want this to be an influential book. The title of the book is America's Last Stand. Will you vote to save or destroy America in 2024? And I make the definitive case. Please vote for Trump. Please understand this history. Please understand what's going on in this country. Please stand up for what's right. Please understand what's going on right now because this is our last stand. All right. God bless you all. This is Drew Allen, your Millennial Minister of Truth. And until next time. Talk to my friend Drew Allen. I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. One of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew, Drew Allen. Allen. As Drew Allen. conservative. I to this guy for wisdom.